On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven them. Whose sins you retain are retained. Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger into the nail marks and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Probably remember hearing this recently. This was Sunday's gospel. And because the deacon was here, I didn't preach. So I've decided I'm going to use that tonight. But the first thing that I, I do with this gospel, one of the things, I could be Thomas's lawyer. Because one of the things I think is very important is Thomas gets a bad rap. He's really very poorly treated by most people um, who reflect on him. Because this is really the biggest thing we've got of Thomas. We have a couple of other times when Thomas speaks in Scripture. But this is the one that everyone focuses on, right? I mean, he's got his nickname, Doubting Thomas. And if you've ever seen any portrayals of him... The ones that I'm familiar with portray him like that all the time. He's actually portrayed as kind of a skeptic, kind of a cynic, always questioning what our Lord is doing. We tend to lose sight of the fact that when Jesus gets word about Lazarus, and he's told that Lazarus is near death, and then Jesus says he's going to go to them, and every, his disciples are our Lord, they were all going to kill you when you were there. Thomas says, well, let us go and die with him. So this idea that Thomas is this, this great doubter, uh, I think is unfair. And, um, you know, I've heard people actually speculate where Thomas was when they were in the upper room with the doors locked. And it says for fear of the Jews, but I'll be honest with you, it wasn't just the Jews they were afraid of, they were afraid of the Romans too. And Pontius Pilate was a coward who was willing to send a man he thought was innocent to death rather than upset the leadership and have some sort of um, riot in Jerusalem. So Pontius Pilate is an appeaser. And at this point, this is only three days later, and they've all seen what can happen. So Thomas was not at the Jerusalem Cineplex catching the latest Avengers movie. You know, he wasn't out playing cards with friends or having dinner somewhere. If Thomas wasn't there, it's because he was sent somewhere on an errand for the sake of all of the disciples. It was probably Peter who sent him out. I mean, they're all locked up in there, but they need food and they need water. And Thomas probably drew the short straw. And so off he goes. In service to the community, this fearful, hunkered down, we don't know what is going on community. And when he comes back from his errand, 
He's talking. We've seen the Lord. And I would be willing to bet you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that his feelings were a little hurt. You know, he was out. I was doing something for you guys. Why would he show up while I was gone? Why would he do that to me? Yeah, I ran away like, like most of you did. Peter, you ran away. Matthew, you ran away. John's the only one who stayed there. So why me? Popular phrase in, in the Christian life, isn't it? Why me? And so Thomas, Thomas genuinely has this concern. If this is so legitimate, if this is so real, why didn't Christ wait for me? Why didn't Jesus wait for me to come back? And so Jesus does come back, right, the next week. Now a week later, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and bring your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Now, if you saw the Instagram post, and I didn't tell Bulai to do this, but she used the exact image I was hoping she would use in the Instagram post, that beautiful painting by Caravaggio. Very, very graphic, where Thomas is like shoving his finger into the mark of the spear in the side of Christ. And everyone assumes that's what happened. But John doesn't actually say that. John doesn't say that Thomas touched our Lord's hand or that Thomas touched the Lord's side. In fact, what it says is, Jesus says, put your finger here and see my hands and bring your hand and put it into my side. Then Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. He is the first of the disciples to declare Christ's divinity after the resurrection. He's the one who stands in front of Jesus and says, you are my Lord and my God. And in those words, we now have the answer to the question, why wasn't he there? a week before. Because when Thomas stands in front of the disciples, these are men he has known for three years. Men he has, has eaten with and drank with, he's laughed with, he's cried with. He's been in at the heights of ecstasy and in the nadir of terror with these men, and he doesn't believe them for your sake and for mine. Because Thomas's doubt at that moment, and I think that's the only time in his life when he had doubt, I don't think it was part of his nature. I don't think he was a cynic or a skeptic. But his doubt at that moment is the, 
is the difficulty that each of us at some point, and perhaps at multiple points in our Christian journey, suffer. Those moments when we, we just, you know, we're like, Lord, give me a sign. Now, who here has not said, Lord, give me a sign? Thank you, I didn't think so. We've all said it. Because we all have difficulties. We all have stumbling blocks. We all have those moments where we begin to wonder to ourselves, am I just spinning my wheels? Am I wasting my time? Have I fallen prey to some massive 2,000-year hoax? But then Thomas sees Christ. And his doubts are gone. And in fact, not only does he no longer doubt, he understands fully and completely. And by kneeling in front of our Lord and saying, my Lord and my God, Thomas testifies for each and every one of us who don't have the, dare I say it, luxury of standing before the risen Christ in his human body with the marks of the nails and the spear and the whips and the crown. We don't have that luxury, but Thomas has seen it for us. And in his complete human response to Christ's appearing when he wasn't there, He helps us have the grace-filled response when Christ was there. He allows us to recognize that while we do not see Jesus in his human body, we see him body, blood, soul, and divinity there. And we're able to say with Thomas, my Lord and my God, It's insane if it's not true. It's crazy if it's not true. But we have the testimony of those 11 men hidden in that room, locked away for fear of everyone. We have the testimony of the two disciples on the way to Emmaus. We have the testimony of Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Clopas. We have the testimony of thousands of men and women who have shed their blood rather than deny my Lord and my God. So we may never see Jesus on this earth, in his human body. In fact, I seriously doubt we will. Very few people get that. But we see him sacramentally. We see him in the gift of the Eucharist. We see him in the testimony of that cloud of witnesses who have stood for an unbroken line for almost 2,000 years testifying to the risen Christ. 
And so I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. The next time you hear someone use the phrase, doubting Thomas, I want you to look at him and say, I don't know who that is. The only Thomas I know is Thomas the Apostle. And he's believing Thomas. And because of him, I believe too.